You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 689 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Friday afternoon-ish, maybe even closer to the evening as I record this, but it's before Hawks Celtics on Friday. And if you are listening to this now, you might know, but you certainly will now, that this is actually going to be sort of a two-parter on this fine Friday evening. I normally would record after the Hawks game, and I will do that afterwards, but it's going to be on a, sep- on a separate podcast because there's just too much to jam into one show, and I have a little bit of a window here before tip-off to record this podcast because um, there was news made, at least marginal news. I'm not sure news qualifies here, but it's definitely a massive rumor to address, and that is uh, centering on the center position for the Hawks. First things first, early in the day on Friday, Sham Sarania of The Athletic reported that the Hawks are, quote, targeting center help and a backup point guard end quote, in advance of the, of the trade deadline. No huge surprise there, obviously. Uh, center has been a topic of conversation for quite some time now. I would certainly point out that Alex Lynn has been playing very, very well in the last 20-plus games or so, but still, long-term, he probably isn't going to be the answer as a starting center. And, of course, the other, the other guys, uh, Damian Jones, Bruno Fernando, have been struggling, and center has been a weak spot all season long for the Hawks. So no, no big surprise there. And then back up point guard, of course, is an issue, has been an issue the entire time. Uh, even before the season started, we talked at length on this podcast and other places that I wrote and on Twitter, etc., that it didn't make much sense to me that they went without a backup point guard. Um, that never worked. Um, we do have the evidence recently anyway. On Monday, I've Brandon Goodman playing very well, and I, I do look forward to the Hawks playing him um, more often. Uh, it seems to be the, the plan for later tonight, as we record this on Friday before the game, to maybe have him play in the rotation as a backup point guard. But still, I think, again, long-term, not exactly an ideal option behind Trey Young. So none of, none of that is very surprising, I would say. And I was going to say this even before the other news that came out. I'd be looking to avoid Reynolds at all costs here. Uh, guys who only help the team this season don't make a ton of sense to me because the team is 727 as we record this and probably not going to make the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. And I think everything needs to be future facing for this Hawks team. But as that is uh, sort of the stage setter now, I was going to mention that on a podcast regardless, but uh, that sort of bridges the gap into the big sort of semi-bombshell drop on Friday afternoon from Adrian Wojnarowski, who reported that the Hawks and the Detroit Pistons quote, have been engaged in talks, end quote, about Andre Drummond, but Detroit is also talking to other teams about him, which is definitely worth pointing out here. Later, Wojnarowski reported that there is an increasing belief that Drummond will be traded before the deadline. The Pistons, at this moment, as we're recording here, are 12-23, and 23, um, and obviously not going anywhere right now. Blake Griffin looks to be a sort of a shell of himself right now, and Detroit's been hovering around the eighth spot the last couple of seasons, but um, even if they are able to make a run here, Drummond is an expiring contract, which is very interesting to note, and that's kind of the centerpiece of, this, of the whole thing here, and we'll talk about the contract here in a second. Um, I will say multiple Pistons beat writers uh, have said, just as Wojnarowski did, that, that, that there's absolutely nothing imminent right now on this uh, trade front. That makes sense, given the timeline of where we are right now. It's still about a month plus before the deadline actually arrives, so there's no real urgency here if you're the Pistons. also feels like Detroit could be attempting to set up a market for Andre Drummond, because... As we're going to talk about here in a second, um, he has a player option, but it's probably going to be declined by all accounts here. Not a definite. If he gets injured or something like that, he could pick it up, t- certainly. And that's good to have for Andre Drummond. If you're if you're his agent, you want that option lingering, lingering out there. But the assumption in the league right now is certainly 
that Drummond will opt out of that and hit the market. Uh, Vinny Goodwill of Yahoo of Yahoo Sports reported that the Boston Celtics, Dallas Mavericks, and Toronto Raptors are potential teams who have been talking to the Pistons. So it's not only the Hawks, but because of where the Hawks are and because of all the noise coming out of the Hawks locker room in the last you know several weeks and the fact that they don't have a center, they have all this cap space. Drummond's been a very popular notion, I know, in my mentions for months now. Um, we talked about him a little bit on the show before when I've been asked about Andre Drummond in the past, and we'll talk about him more now. But um, this is not a jarring report in that it's anything that comes out of absolutely left field, but because it's, it's the first actual reporting on Drummond to the Hawks, that makes it um, much more interesting and much more noteworthy to jump in and discuss now in sort of uh, emergency siren fashion. Um, so the player himself, Drummond is a good player, obviously a multi-time all-star. This season he's averaging about 18 and 16. He leads the NBA in rebounding right now. He's actually led the league in rebounding in three of the last four full seasons. He's a monster rebounder. That is the one thing that we absolutely know about Andre Drummond is that he is a fantastic rebounder, and the Hawks have been terrible rebounding this season. Part of that's John Collins, but part of that is the fact that Drummond, you know, it's just awesome. So he would obviously help that um, pretty quickly if he arrived in Atlanta. Offensively, it's more of a mixed bag. He's been uh, he's certainly been able to be prolific as a scorer uh, in some respects. No, nothing ever fantastic. Never never average twenty points a game. He's certainly not an offensive creator. He has a little bit of high uh, of high post game as a short roll man. Um, as a role man in terms of pick and roll scoring, it's not been his, his forte in his career so far. I will say the Pistons have never really had a point guard to make him look good in that way. So maybe with Trey Young on the floor with him, he would be helped by that. And of course, Young is an absolute elite pick and roll operator that probably helped him in some respects. But at the same time, he probably overlapped with John Collins a little bit on the offensive end of the floor. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Defensively, Drummond is a little bit overrated, I find, in my mentions. People talk about him like he's an elite defender. He's absolutely not that. I think he's a solid to good defender, not one who's a game-changer defensively. That, that's a pretty big dis- um, distinction I want to make here. The rebounding is huge, and defensive rebounding is definitely part of defense, which helps quite a bit because, as I said before, he's an awesome defensive rebounder. But um, the rest of defense, he's just solid. He's not fantastic. He's a good defender. He would fit well on men on the floor and certainly help the Hawks in a lot of ways. But I wanted to point that out, that he is not a game-changing sort of elite go bearish defender. He's not quite that good. Um, still, a, still a solid guy on in the floor, but worth pointing out. Uh, he's also he's also 26 years old. Keep that in mind. He has a lot of miles on his legs. This is uh, season eight for Drummond. Next year will be his ninth season. So he came into the league very, very young as a one-and-done guy who was very young in that class as well. So as young as he is, there are a lot of miles. I, I do think you have to kind of treat him like he's almost you know, 28, 29 versus 26 based on the amount of, amount of minutes that he's played. But still, worth pointing out that he's still pretty young in the process. Contract-wise, this is where it gets very, very interesting when it comes to Drummond. A $27.1 million um, contract for this season right now, plus an 8% trade bonus if he actually gets dealt during the season. Um, that is the part that doesn't really matter a whole lot. The Hawks have to, the Hawks have to send about $22.5 million, $22.6 million to Detroit to make a deal work for Drummond, which the Hawks can very easily do. They have multiple expiring contracts. You have Chandler Parsons. You have Alan Crabb, you have Evan Turner. There are ways to make that kind of deal happen, so no big no big problem in terms of this season and trading for Drummond in the way that a lot of teams actually would have that problem. But looking ahead, he has a $28.6 million player option for next season that, again, most people assume he's going to opt out of. It's not, it's not an absolute lock, but barring injury, I think he's going to opt out of that pretty comfortably. So... With that said, you're trading for a player who's probably going to be an expiring contract, and this is not a situation where he'll be where he would be restricted. He he's going to be an unrestricted free agent, meaning that even if the Hawks had a wink wink deal in place with Andre Drummond, which you have to imagine they probably would would like to, you cannot trade for him with the way the contracts are set up and extend him because of the timeline and all that stuff. Without getting too too deep into the weeds here, you can't trade for him and extend him before free agency, and you can't. 
um, assume flat out that he's going to be coming back. Now, again, you would assume if the Hawks are going to trade for him and give up real assets that they have a pretty confident place that they're going to be able to re-sign him, but nothing is assured. We've seen that happen a couple times now where guys have been traded for in season and then ended up leaving despite the assumption that the guys would stay. So keep that in mind as you're going through this whole thing right now. Um, but again, a poor free agent class. I think he's one of the five biggest names on the market pretty clearly this summer, which definitely matters. And the Hawks are going to have a ton of cap space. He had already been a name associated with, with the Hawks by a lot of different people as a free agent target after he opted out with Detroit. Um, that would still be the case here. Um, but again, the Hawks would have, would have his bird rights if they traded for him, which definitely matters if you want um, to sign a player, having bird rights certainly matters. It's not going to make sure that he signs with you, but for instance, the Hawks could offer him a fifth year if they wanted to and nobody else could. Now, whether you want to do that or not for a guy who's going to be 26, 27 years old is another question, but the Hawks would have that ability. Nobody else would nobody else would uh, be able to do that. Also, the Hawks could give him larger raises and also larger declines than any other team. So there's more flexibility in that contract um, with bird rights. So that's that's one point of uh, contention, or at least um, if you're trying to argue on behalf of making the trade, that's one place to do it. Also, the Hawks do have the Hawks do have assets to trade for him right now if they want to do that. They have they have expired contracts, as I said before. They have guys to match up salary wise on Drummond. They have an extra first round pick. This year, probably coming from from Brooklyn, and if not this year, it's going to be coming in the future. Um, looks like that's going to be a mid a mid first round pick, which is a pretty pretty decent asset, even in a bad draft in 2020. They also have the potential of an extra first round pick from Oklahoma City in 2022 as part of the Dennis Schroeder trade. And Atlanta has some second round flexibility. They have the young players. They have guys like Bruno Fernando who are tradable contracts right now if they wanted to do that and sweeten sweet the pot a little bit for Detroit. Atlanta does have, of course, all their all their young players as well. I, I would be stunned if they traded uh, guys like Collins or Hunter or even Reddish in a deal like this. Maybe even Hunter uh, Herter as well. Obviously, Trey Young not going to be traded at, at any point. Um, but they, they they could trade if they wanted to just get desperate. They could they could trade Reddish or Herter, and if they wanted to just go all in, they could do that. I would not advise that. But alas, here we are. So they have they have the flexibility in a lot of ways to go out and make a deal if they want to do this. So as we get through uh, my my general thoughts here. <laughs> You know, they'd have his bird rights. That definitely matters. Uh, and Drummond would certainly help. That's kind of the thing I want to say. That's, that's also very obvious, but I want to say it just to make sure nobody misunderstands me. Andre Drummond would help the Hawks immensely. Now, this season, you could argue that you don't want the help that ma- that badly because this is a team that is going to be out of the playoffs most likely. I would say 90-plus percent chance they missed the playoffs at this point in time, given how bad the start has been. Um and if you trade for Drummond now, he would certainly help you. He would help everyone probably be a little bit happier. He would get you some wins, but there's an argument against that for the draft purposes. And again, even if you get a wink-wink deal with him, it's not going to be official. So there is always, always, always some risk here if you're trading for a guy who's going to opt out of his contract to be a free agent. Yes, you could sign him, but until that actually happens, there is some uncertainty with regard to that. Um I think you would need some intel that you, that he would like to be here in order to make a deal, especially if you have to give up real assets to get Drummond, which if there's a bidding war of any kind, you have to trade something for him, whether that, whether that's a pick or Fernando or wh- however, however you want to look at that, you have to trade something of value to Detroit most likely in this deal. Um, Chris Haynes did report today on Friday that um, he is friends with Trey Young and close friends with Trey Young, which should, that could certainly help. Not necessarily a, a deciding factor for a guy like Drummond or anybody, but it's I guess it can't hurt you that he uh, is good friends with Trey. But in short, you're training for someone who you have to assume is expiring contract, and right now you're out of the playoffs very, very unlikely. So on paper, I've argued, as I did before on this podcast, you don't want to trade for expirings right now. That doesn't make a lot of sense. You don't, you don't, you don't want to trade for rentals. I do think this is a little bit different, a little bit different because Drummond is a guy you probably would have reason to believe 
would come back. You have the you have the ability if you wanted to max him out, which I would not necessarily do, but you certainly had the ability to do that if you wanted to. You have the cap space, the flexibility to go ahead and do that if you want to. Um, it's still very, very early, of course. I do think that I've pushed back on any deal that took a significant amount of um, assets to get Drummond because at the end of the day, you're trading for one year of Drummond and it's this season. And this season for the Hawks is not the primary concern. So again, there are built-in advantages to getting him on your roster, but they're not overwhelmingly positive advantages. They're not huge game-changing advantages. Like he, If he was going to be a restricted free agent, that'd be a huge advantage. But he's not. He's going to be unrestricted regardless if he opts out, and that definitely matters here. And before I get this question posed to me, the Hawks could certain the Hawks could still sign him and still would be in a position to sign him if they did not trade for him. That's the argument. It's always it's often made in baseball a lot. I find in a sport that I cover, um, why would you trade for a guy now if you can sign him in the, if you can sign him in the summer? And I'm I'm with you on that in some respects because Drummond, if he hit, if he hits the market, if he wants to come to Atlanta that badly, he can sign a four year deal with the Hawks on July first if he'd like to do that. Um, Without trading assets to go ahead, go ahead and get him now, if you keep everybody in 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 line, you have guys to honestly you could even potentially tell him to pick his free agent of his choice and and pair up with a guy and still pay both those guys. Um, there are some flexibility questions looking ahead, but you know there's an argument for that to be sure. The Hawks may, may not want to invest real capital to do that now when they can just kind of wait a few months and then sign him later on if they want to do that. So we can spend some time on fit and everything else with the basketball stuff if we get more information and uh, get c- kind of closer to a deal, it seems. But for now, not a perfect fit, I would say, with Atlanta's core. It's not bad either, and they could certainly use a center, but I think Drummond's uh, you know, inability to shoot, his age, um, I think he, he overlaps a little bit with Collins. I'm not sure, 100% sure, that you want to give him uh, like a massive kind of max deal for four years based on next season and, his, and, 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 uh, and year nine for his contract. So there are some questions that we'll dive into later if we need to, but for now... Also, some team building stuff that I wanted to point out as well. The Hawks will be cheap for now with Collins and Young not making any money. But w- once those guys get paid, which is coming sooner rather than later, how much do you want to be paying to a guy like Drummond at, at center? Do you like most of the league is not trying to pay you know sub elite centers thirty five million dollars a year, which he might command. You know, Carl Anthony Towns is something different. Jokic something different. Joel Embiid something different. But Drummond is two steps down from those guys. Like, is he going to be? An, is he a fringe All Star kind of guy? Yeah, he is. But he isn't a game-changer number one option, so there's an argument in this market to not be paying a center that kind of money if you're trying to win a championship. So all that stuff, keep all that stuff in mind. So, I mean, there's a lot going on here. It's still very early, and I want to say one more time here, this is uh, not imminent by any means by all the reporting, and there are other teams involved here. The Hawks are a prominent option for Detroit if they want to trade him because of the obvious fit that Drummond would have on a team that does not have a center and has cap space and that wants to get better, et cetera, et cetera. But for now... Um, we're kind of in a holding pattern. I wanted to talk about as, as much as I possibly could, which is why I broke this off into a second into a second podcast on this day and get, get it to you as fast as I possibly could. But for now, I'm not over the moon about this. If you have to trade real assets to get Donnery Drummond, that's important to point out. Um, would he help? Absolutely. And I totally understand that argument as well. He would raise the floor considerably for this Hawks team and getting a guy who's probably a top 50 player in the league is very, very helpful to any team. So a lot of conflicting factors here. I will be the first to acknowledge that, and I'm sure we'll get some more questions as we get going here and more information comes out. But if it, if it would take you know multiple assets, I would certainly not do that if I was the Hawks. There's there's definitely a dividing line where it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because in the end, you are trading for a rental. And it's a rental plus, probably, is the way I would say that because there are advantages, but um, nothing assured beyond this season. And that is a risky proposition for a team that is where the Hawks are in their rebuild. Okay, that is enough on Drummond for now. Quickly, before I note this, uh, before we get out of here and I focus on the game that's about to start in Boston, um, 
Also, Trey Young, I'll, I'll go ahead and do this now. Trey Young is leading all Eastern Conference guards in fan voting, which I wanted to at least acknowledge here on the podcast at the first check-in for the fans. As a reminder, 50% of the formula for starters is fan voting. So if Young leads all East guards in, um, in fan voting, he's not guaranteed to start the All-Star game, but it would be a very nice first step, particularly because he could pro- he will probably get votes from the media and players as well. So if he ends up number one in fan voting, that would certainly go a long way towards Trey starting the All-Star game, which is pretty impressive. Kyrie Irving and Kemba Walker are the only ones that are even close to him in voting. Kyrie is uh, injured, by the way. That could play a part in this, but he could be back by then as well. Voting ends on Martin Luther King Day, so if you want to get voting in, if you're a Hawks fan, go ahead and fire away. And by the way, as a note here, no Hawk has led a position in voting since 1989. I was alive, but not very old at that point in time. That was Dominique and Moses Malone. So uh, we already know if you're a Hawks fan that Trey Young is probably the most popular player the Hawks have had in a long, long time. And uh, that would back that up um, in a big way. So there you go on that. Uh, One more thing before we get to, um, I guess, part two, which is coming later this evening on on Hawks Celtics from Boston. I I did a podcast earlier this week with Ben Ladner of Sports Illustrated. It's certainly worth a listen. It's about an hour long. We talk big picture stuff, you know, more narrow stuff on the Hawks. I really enjoy talking to Ben. He'll probably be be on the podcast again in the the future, but he's dialed in on the Hawks. He's kind of on the beat alongside me and others. So check that podcast out. Please subscribe to the podcast as well. If you you are already listening to this podcast, you should get part two shortly. If you go ahead and subscribe, uh, go ahead and do that. Click click on the button. Leave a five star feedback if you'd like to do that as well i really really appreciate that so thank you for listening to this podcast do do not forget to go out and check that check out part two which is coming later on hawk celtics and then another one on saturday night um after hawk spacers so stay tuned for all of that